Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. Except this week, uh, we're actually going to do things a little differently as well. Um, So... When you all hear this, uh, tomorrow will be the day that UConn officially rejoins the Big East. Uh, July 1st, 2020 has been on uh, circled on all of our calendars for the last year. And so it felt like this is a good time to sort of take stock of where UConn is, you know, where UConn's going and sort of how we reached where we are now. And um, unfortunately, what should have been a really joyous week is taken a little bit of an unfortunate turn as a... You know, last week, uh, we also found out that in order to sort of stabilize the athletic department budget, um, the school is going to have to cut four sports, uh, those being uh, men's swimming and diving, men's tennis, men's cross country and women's rowing. And obviously, that's a, a huge bummer and uh, just a really unfortunate thing to have to, you know, for the, especially for the athletes and the coaches who are affected. So um, we're talking about all of it today. Uh, Tim Fontenot is back uh, after a very uh, only a couple of weeks uh, after his last episode. Uh, Tim, uh, <laughs> glad to have you uh, back again. Thanks for coming back on uh, so soon. Hey, thanks for having me. You know I can't stay away. <laughs> yeah, of course. So you know, uh, you know, I wanted to you know, bring you back on for this because uh, you have been in, as invested in UConn athletics over the past decade as just about anybody else. Uh, you know, you're very knowledgeable. Obviously, kind of have been kind of right at the forefront of a lot of this stuff. So, um, you know, I guess just to kind of start off, I mean, you know, you, this is like pretty much, this is a huge week for UConn athletics. Um, you know, what's, we saw this week will basically help shape where the school goes for, I mean, decades to come potentially. So just to start off, I guess, what are your thoughts on the overall state of UConn athletics in July of 2020? Generally pretty good. Other than, you know, obviously what's happened in the past week with the cutting of sports and, you know, that's really unfortunate, but when you look at the overall state of UConn athletics, you have to be really excited about where things are going. Um, like, we're about to join the Big East Conference, and that is just such a massive step that this whole fan base, the university, has been waiting for for so long because this era of the American Athletic Conference has been such a detriment to UConn athletics that... It, at times, it felt inescapable. It felt like this is where we were going to be stuck forever. And in 2030, we were going to be playing Tulane and men's basketball in front of about 500 people in stores. And maybe a little bit exaggerated there. But um, look, the sports that are going to be going back to the Big East are going to be in really good shape there. We've already seen the impact of recruiting in men's basketball. We've seen that. Ticket sales are through the roof. Men's basketball doubling at this point from last year. Women's basketball ahead of last year. And that's really important. That shows the morale of the fan base. And when you look at recruiting, you can see clearly that recruiting has had a massive uptick, especially for men's basketball. When you look at the fact that you know they're already landing these big recruits back into the national conversation in terms of recruiting rankings, players are legit saying, UConn going to the Big East is a major factor in why I'm considering them. And obviously, we kept saying that for years, that the American was hurting recruiting. And, you know, the other schools in the American were like, yeah, you're just making excuses. No, literally, it was. And we're seeing that. And we've heard Jay Wright last year was saying at Villanova, as soon as the news came out, they were already in trouble because UConn was already cutting into their recruiting. And it's going to be 
it's going to be competing with them and Seton Hall and Georgetown and all the other big schools, the Big Geese, and you're going to see a growth of UConn basketball, and it's going to be great. The other sports, honestly, when you go down the list, women's basketball even gets an uptick. They're going to dominate the Big East, no doubt about it. But they are going to still have the benefit of playing even slightly better competition than they were in the American. And I do in part blame the American for why they haven't been as successful in the past few years. Um, you look at soccer. Soccer is going to see the benefits of going back, as well as playing in a new stadium. They were playing off campus last year. That's part of the reason why they um, why they didn't have as much uh, ticket revenue. We saw the dip in all the sports, but they were playing in Hartford, and that was a detriment to them. Um, they've been severely impacted by the American Athletic Conference. There are some decent teams there. SMU, UCF from time to time have been very good. But this is a team, the men's soccer team, was in the national conversation for years when i was in college they were the number one team in the country every single year or in the top five throughout the season never won a national championship but that's a conversation for another day but as soon as the American move happened it was just a drop in both recruiting and success uh attendance somehow still managed to be successful they've always been one of the top teams in terms of attendance in college soccer but the only team that really negatively benefits from the move, and I think the UConn blog did an outstanding job of portraying this the other day, is baseball. And so, and unfortunately, like, you want to see baseball competing at the highest level. We have a fantastic baseball program, but, you know, when you factor that into everything else, overall, this is really great. And then you look at football, which is now independent. And what, they, what Dave Benedict was able to do in putting together a schedule in a matter of months for this coming season, working out all of these great arrangements, mostly great arrangements, uh, again, conversation for another day, and then adding in all of these big games. Clemson was already on the schedule, but you have Michigan, you have Tennessee, you have all of these great games coming up, these buy games. You're cutting down on travel costs. You now have a TV deal with CBS Sports for your games as an independent um, SNY is going to be involved in that as well for this coming year, probably. You would you would imagine. I mean, this is everything just seems to be coming together for UConn athletics. And it, like obviously, again, the cutting of sports is terrible, and everyone is in a difficult position right now because of the pandemic. But overall, you have to say the state of the athletic department is pretty promising. Yeah, so I, I think it's probably safe to say that the the four sports that were cut is that is more or less the cost of the American Athletic Conference era because the reason UConn is was in the position that that was necessary is in large part because of the issues that being in the American uh, you know pr- presented to the athletic department and it sucks because you figure if UConn well first of all if things had played out differently back then. And then instead of landing in the American, maybe UConn winds up in the ACC or, or maybe, or who knows, maybe the Big East doesn't implode at all. You know, if things had played out, you know, differently and, you know, even a little bit differently and just better for UConn, those sports probably continue to exist. And if UConn is able to somehow, I don't know, get out of the American and into the Big East sooner, you know, maybe it's possible that could have worked out too. And, you know, Obviously, the the pandemic added in at you know some urgency, but based on what the board of trustees were saying, it sure sounds like these programs probably would have been cut anyways because you know UConn having twenty four varsity sports 
when you know most of their conference rivals are in the kind of the 18 to 20 range kind of thing you know it was unsustainable and you know if they they, they had the power five dollars they, they could have kept them all maybe even they could have even added more sports who knows but it's um it, it, you got to feel for those those kids because like it you know you, you never want to see a sport you know a, a program end that, that being said i am a little bit impressed that that is all that, you know, those sports are, you know, that was the damage was limited to just those four sports because there was talk that they could have whacked eight sports. You know, I was worried that, you know, track and field at UConn would cease to exist entirely. And the way they were able to do it, tennis, cross country and swimming and diving do still exist at UConn, um, you know, women's only now. But, you know, know, there was some other versions of this scenario where things could have gotten really bad. And, um, you know, it feels like that they were able to limit the damage to what it was. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's good because it's not, but it's it, it could have been a whole lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. And look, a lot of this boils down to, like you said, like this is casualty of the American Athletic Conference. If you look at what the subsidy was back in 2011, I think it was about $15 million back then. It's The subsidy from the university has increased by $30 million, at, at least $30 million in the in the decade since. And you just... They've been trying to continue to operate at a Power 5 level in a Group of 5 conference with Group of 5 TV revenue, and it's unsustainable. And look, and like they said in that meeting yesterday, you know, these these talks were, they were, they had taken place before the pandemic started. Like, they had talked about the fact that they needed to cut spending, and, you know, it's unfortunate that these cuts had to come, but the... You know, but that's that's college sports, unfortunately, and that's you know, it was great that we tried to sponsor so many sports, but at some point it became again unsustainable. So, um, I was also happy to see, um, honestly, that Dave Benedict has agreed to take a voluntary pay cut of fifteen percent in order to help with um, w- some of that as well. I think that was a, a nice gesture by him, a good move. Um, I think that helps a bit in how I view this whole situation. Um, Again, it sucks. It's it's not great, but something had to happen because, you know, it's UConn is not where it would have been if, you know, when the Big East was still together, when TCU was on board, if that TV deal had come together and the presidents hadn't gotten cold feet voting for it after they saw the Pac-12 deal or the Pac-10, I think. I don't remember what it was back then. I mean, it was the beginning of the end, but you know, who knows where we'd be right now. Absolutely. So why don't we start, let's start with the really good stuff. Let's, you know, we, this is ultimately, we hope a positive occasion for UConn. So let's um, kind of go back a year from when we first got the news that UConn is going back to the Big East. Um, I don't know about you, but I remember exactly where I was when I got the news. Um, I had for, you know, basically since, geez, like, Almost like I got, I got, had to have been back as far as like 2011 or 2012. I'd always fantasized about what my reaction would be when I first saw the news that UConn is going to, you know, a, a new conference, a good conference, you know, like you know, something, you know, basically the news that it was all going to be okay. So when I happened to, um, so to kind of set the stage, um, last year around this time, I was on a family vacation. My my dad took me, my wife, my siblings, um, you know, our uh, one of my grandparents. All of us, we went to Italy. 
and it was dope. Like this was like the greatest vacation you could possibly imagine. So we land and we're staying in Italy and literally I wake up from like a nap or something. I roll over, I look at my phone and I see Yahoo Sports uh, alert breaking UConn to join the Big East. And I swear to God, I was just like walked out on the pool like I was Mr. McMahon from WWE. Just like, (laughs) yo, guys, it's happening. (laughs) And they were all like, I told them all. And, you know, they were all like, we, you know, that's that's cool. And I was just like, no, my my wife was like, she actually got it. She's like, wait, are you serious? Because she's heard me like, you know, bitch and moan about like, oh, my God, like, how great would it be if UConn could get out of the American for literally the, the almost the entirety of our relationship? So she was like, oh, oh, crap, like. This is great. My, two of my stepsisters, both of them actually attend Syracuse. They were just like, oh, wow. So that means UConn's going to like, you know, not suck anymore. And I was like, you're damn right. Now get, you know, now get lost. <laughs> uh, yeah. So needless to say, I had a, I had a good freaking week that week. Uh, I was on cloud nine. Um, where were you when you heard the news? Do you remember kind of what your reaction was? Yeah, it's funny because I actually remember specifically where I was. I was in a squat rack at the gym and I looked at my phone and I saw the news um, I just, I remember, I can like perfectly picture in my head every step of the way of conference realignment over the last decade, because, you know, I was, you know, we were, we were in school together at the beginning of this whole, uh, of this whole thing. And I just remember being in, uh, in my dorm at Garrigus when I saw the news about Pittsburgh and Syracuse. I remember looking at my roommate and daily campus partner, Matt Stipulkowski, when, uh, when we were in Busby and we saw the news about Louisville going to the ACC and we're like, well, that's it for us. And just everything along the way since then, I was covering the team right at the start of the American. I was um, the daily campus writer that first year. And then it's like just these last few years of purgatory. And then I'm in the gym and I look at my phone and I see that we're going to the Big East, and I just, it completely ruined my workout in the best possible way. <laughs> like, I just couldn't focus anymore. I I called my mom because she's, like, she's in on all this stuff, too. Like, she knows how important it is to me, and she she's a fan, too. So I called her. I was almost in tears, honestly, because it was, like, this long nightmare coming to an end. And then I was just, I was texting everyone I knew. I was tweeting up a storm. I think you used the phrase cloud nine. That's exactly what I had in my, like, in my head picturing this whole thing that's where i was and pretty much every day since then like i've been i've been thinking about like heading to the to the package store uh, in the days like i've been thinking about leading up into uh midnight on july 1st so that i can pop that bottle and just celebrate put the fight song on or something and just get all excited about the fact that this is really happening that's pretty much exactly what i did honestly uh so like that like like i said that whole afternoon we we had just gotten to where you know to the place where we were staying so i was just chilling and basically spent the whole rest of the day listening to the yukon blog and a dime backs emergency podcasts with a huge (laughs) glass of wine and basically was just like this is literally heaven like i i've literally all this is all i've ever wanted in my whole life <laughs> yeah which and i don't honestly like going back to uh the reaction of the fans in terms of these ticket sales and stuff i'm one of those people who bought season tickets for this coming year for men's basketball and it was such an excitement buy for me because i don't even know if i'm going to be able to go to every game the way my work schedule is i might only be able to make it to the midweek games or i might have to swing something on a weekend but you know, the tickets will still get used. My girlfriend, my mom, they'll use the tickets no matter what. But I was like, 
I need to make sure I have these tickets, you know, whether I can go or not, pandemic or not, like, I need to be part of this because we're back. Yeah, I seriously considered getting season tickets too. I live in Massachusetts, so like, realistically, it'd be a pretty irresponsible thing for me to do. I'll, I can, <laughs> I'll only be able to make like, if I'm lucky, three games this year. So I'm, I'm yeah. probably just going to wait and just uh, see what the schedule is and go to any games I can, assuming, you know, also, there is still a pandemic. We Even if they right. have games and, you know, fans are allowed in, I'm not sure it'd be the best idea. So whatever, right, exactly. that, 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 that all that aside, um, yeah, I mean, the, the ticket sales is really a story. I mean, you see, like, we don't know if we're going to even have a season and ticket sales double, like, whatever it was. Like, like they sold more tickets in, like, two days than they did in six weeks. I mean, that's nuts. So, yeah, yeah so obviously good stuff. You mentioned also the, uh, like, the, 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 the reaction from fans. Like, so it's not just crazy people like us. I mean, the reaction from fans was pretty overwhelmingly positive. I mean, you had a few people who are like very football centric fans and shout out to the, you people, you guys are nuts. Um, you know, yeah. they were a little bit, you know, bummed out because of the, you know, the ramifications for football, but you know, well, the thing that just struck me is like, everybody was happy and not, not just within Yukon, but like other big East fan bases were also happy. And that was so, so like, that was so encouraging. Like you had like people from like St. John's and Georgetown and Villanova being like, Hey, this is dope. You guys belong here. Welcome back. And then you have like the Butler and Xavier people being like, Hey, we don't know each other very well, but you know, you seem cool. Shout out to Xavier Twitter, our new best friends already. Xavier Twitter is amazing. I love it so much. Um, You know, and then the national pundits for the most part, like this story was the biggest story in sports for like a solid like week when it happens, which was um, a was very encouraging and b like the the overall um, narrative was basically like you know correctly UConn is regaining you know their season control of their narrative and after you know a decade of basically having bad things happen to them they're finally staking out and trying to chart you know chart their own path forward. And, you know, there was some talk about, you know, oh, how is this going to affect football? Because, you know, nationally, that's sort of, you know, what the big focus is. But even even those takes were sort of, you know, muted. They're like, well, you know what, we'll just have to see. So, you know, what do you like a year later? Like, what do you think about sort of how this is all played out in terms of um, once the move was announced, like how the reaction has been and, you know, that the whole thing? Yeah, I think it's about expected, honestly. Um, You know, you've always had this. Um, you've always had the AAC fans who feel they just need to puff out their chest and they have this, you know, it almost felt like an inferiority complex to, uh, to UConn and they just needed to make themselves like feel like they were like, like UConn wasn't elite in the, in the scope of the American when, you know, in reality, the, the men's basketball team was the only one to, not even win, but to actually compete for a national title at any point. We can talk about the fact that it was a Big East program still at that time for the most part. Um, you know, they're one of only a couple teams to actually win the conference tournament. And, you know, there are other reasons beside the American for men's basketball's struggles. Um, again, we can, that's another deep dive. But, you know, football was always going downhill a little bit. And the fact that you now, like, with everything, like, it was all recruiting. So, like, there were so many struggles. And, you know, but now we got this move to the Big East. And we, like, so UConn fans all knew that there was going to be massive positive impact 
from this move. We were going to see an uptick in recruiting, which is going to mean an uptick in our team's performance. So we're very excited about that. And these fans in the American are, you know, they're just trying to make it feel like, you know, well, we're better off without you and you're going to fail without us, which is just, you know, maybe they are better off football-wise without us. Who knows? But we are much better off without them. Yeah, it's and, like... And, so, yeah, go, sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, the Big East, you know, there's always going to be the smack talk between the Big East schools, but a lot of it's very good-natured. They all, like, everyone knows that adding UConn increases the brand of the Big East a lot. <laughs> I was going to say exponentially, but... Um, and then, you know, that, that could help positively impact a TV deal or a future deal. Um, so everyone could benefit from that. Um, everyone knows that those games are going to be must-see whenever, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're in Chicago or Wisconsin or at Madison Square Garden. They're going to be must-watch games. Um, and then, obviously, UConn fans have just been, you know, we've been completely back on our BS this entire year because we have every right to be. We have every right to be happy right now. And, you know, whatever whatever happens, we're, we're excited and we should be. Yeah, and one thing about just like the, the, the nature of the fan dynamics between the schools, the thing that used to bum me out the most about the American Conference, like the other fan bases, is that they didn't care about the same things that we cared about. So therefore, whenever they tried to talk, you know, talk smack, it just came across as like weird and like, you know, not even, you know, just, just like, eh, you know, so, you yeah. know, for, for instance, you know, well, first of all, the other really frustrating thing was the fact that UConn basketball wasn't dominating this conference was just endlessly frustrating, but like right. in, you had you, basically anytime anything bad ever happened with UConn, you know, or, you know, whatever, basically the default comeback from another, you know, if you tried to talk smack, the default comeback from one of these guys would always be, Oh, oh yeah. Well, your football team stinks. And we're like, <laughs> we know this is yeah. we don't care it's like that's not that we don't we, we'd like them to be better but and they're obviously really embarrassing but like you know whatever that's cool and then yeah. you know they're just like you know well oh, yeah well your team sucks therefore i win it's like no listen like we're not communicating here you're, you're you're saying these things like you think we care and like you know obviously then our comeback would basically just be like you know you're you know your basketball teams are garbage or whatever and they're you know they're like the same thing they're like you know well, we don't care and then they'd usually yeah. come back with some misogynistic comment about you know how no one cares about U- women's basketball so therefore UConn's dominance doesn't matter and you know meanwhile all of us are over here just like you guys suck like I hate yeah. that we are I hate that we have to like hang out with you like just a, a bunch of uh, no yeah. whatever anyway needless to say when we get back to the Big East, all of a sudden now we're on the same page with the other fans. So now, you know, they're not going to try to talk smack to us by telling us our football team sucks because they don't even have football or their FCS. So, like, it's all relative. Like, who cares? For them... Well, in fairness, they may be FCS, but Villanova might have a point. Other than that, though... Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> yeah, but a Villanova fan... But that's just it. A Villanova fan is never going to talk smack about football. You know, no. they shouldn't anyway. That I can't imagine why they would. They've won two national championships since we won our last one. They're like one of the only programs in the country that actually can legitimately talk smack about basketball to us and exactly. like have, you know, a good you know foot to stand on. So for these guys, you know, a Seton Hall fan could just come out and just be like, yo, something about AJ Price's laptops. And we'd just be like, hey, like, F you. What, the, what? Come on, man. Like, yeah. 
that's the stuff that actually stings, you know, or I don't know, maybe, maybe James yeah. book Knight's driving will become the next thing. I don't know, whatever, you know, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll I be mean, talking. I still, like, sorry to, sorry to jump in again. I just, this popped in my head. Um, when, when we were still in the big East, this was the 2011 big East men's soccer championship game at Red Bull arena in New Jersey. And, UConn has an outstanding student section, the Gold Patrol. So we went probably 75, 100 people strong. And St. John's brought a really good pack, too. And UConn-St. John's is Outs- one of the best Outstanding rivalry. Rivalries. Sorry, I, yes, I just had to say it. Is, <laughs> yeah, if, like, that's one of the things, like, people now, like, can't really appreciate that. But there was genuine hatred uh, between the fans, the players. It's amazing, and I'm excited about it. It's not going to be the same. Anyway... We had just won that men's basketball title, the Kemba Walker season. And so I don't know how it started. For some reason, they were saying something to us. We were saying something to them, and it got on to non-soccer. So all of a sudden, all of us start chanting, Kemba Walker. And then, so we're doing that. The St. John's fans come back with, Dwight Hardy. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) To that point, like... They can't really say anything to us. And, like, yes, our interests are aligned, but we're still, like, historically pretty much just better than all of you. Like, the fact that you're coming back, it was November, so only a few months after Kemba Walker led that title run. And you're going to try to boss around with Dwight Hardy, who maybe, like, maybe in February of that year, you could have said something after the, like, when they tied UConn up and just dragged them around at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, they they sent stuffing out of them. That was yeah, that was like one of those WTF losses for sure. So give them that. Yeah. Like they 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 got us that day. But in November, like shut up. <laughs> that was nuts. Yeah. Oh man, Saint jo- shout out to Saint John's. We I'm gonna look forward to seeing those fans again. If nothing else, yeah. just because it's another excuse to go to Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, um, obviously, like the fan dynamics is just going to be so much better. Um, when the announcement was made, uh, the American Athletic Conference, like you know, basically all the people in that world were all sh- clearly very shook. You know, Mike Oresco, the commissioner, was very much very trying very hard to be not mad, uh, even though he you know had to cancel a vacation to Switzerland. And by the way, honestly, I, I'm I'm I feel bad for him. I've Switzerland is amazing. And if I was like two weeks away from like two days away from getting to go hang out in Lauterbrunnen or go to go skiing at Zermatt in the middle of the summer and then, you know, work happened, I'd be pissed. I'd be so mad. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to would Mike you, Oresco. Would you make all the burner accounts that he's made on Twitter? Oh, my. Like- <laughs> Whoever. Jeez. I, I hope that's him. Honestly, oh, it would be, it'd be like amazing because like the alternative is it's just some dude who's who sucks. <laughs> Shout, shout out to the Oresco Five, whoever you are. You, you're the worst. The worst Twitter account on, and there's you have some real serious competition, including. Seriously. I don't need to go into, whatever. You you all know who they are. There's many of them. Anyway, uh, so you know, American Athletic Conference people are very not mad, even though they're trying you know so hard to pre- present that that to them, to the world. And uh, you know, here we are. Uh, you know, and when you hear this, uh, it'll be tomorrow. The big the big change. So why don't we take a look back? And so how did we get here? Obviously, today, this week is a, you know, well, maybe not a purely great week, but, you know, the the start of certainly a new era of UConn athletics. So the way that UConn reached this point has been a very long and winding road filled with a lot of 
a lot of pit stops and a lot of setbacks. Uh, probably the very the most important of which uh, you mentioned before was when Syracuse and Pitt announced that they were leaving the conference to join the ACC in 2011. That was uh, a, that was really the the Jenga block that sent the whole tower crashing to the ground. And um, as a you know as as has been widely reported at this point, UConn was actually originally in consideration to maybe be one of those teams instead of Pitt. Uh, so the original plan, I believe, was that UConn and Syracuse would join the ACC together, which would have been amazing. Like, you know, if that had been kind of the the way things had played out, you know, that would have, you know, we would have had to be like, oh, wow. I mean, we're leaving the the Big East, which is a little bit weird, but like, you know, oh, my gosh, all this money. And hey, Syracuse is coming with us. We're going to get to play BC and, you know, dunk on them all the time. You know, that would have been a huge, you know, breakthrough. But instead, UConn does not get to go. And reporting afterwards indicates that BC blocked the move. Um, so Boston College's athletic director at the time, Gene DiFilippo, even admitted to the Boston Globe that they were opposed to UConn's inclusion and saying, I quote, we didn't want them in. It was a matter of turf. We wanted to be New England's team. So, you know, there was some, you know, BC administrators at that point still harbored ill feelings towards UConn from uh, an earlier lawsuit that UConn and uh, then Attorney General and now Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal filed uh, when BC was trying to leave for the ACC originally back in the 2003 to 2005 timeframe. And uh, basically, when BC made that move, UConn was just about to complete its transition from independence to the Big East. And all of a sudden, the rug was pulled out from them. You know, in 2004, they expected to join a conference with BC, with Miami and Virginia Tech. And all of a sudden, now they're basically making this huge investment and this huge risk. And the conference they're joining isn't what they signed up for. So there was some bad blood. And uh, whether it was uh, appropriate or not, you know, that lawsuit, you know, rankled some feathers and may have potentially uh, kept UConn out in the cold. So, you know, that, you know, so all of this conference realignment, you know, even way back at the beginning, UConn was really kind of like one or two years too late to the party. Um, and, you know, after, you know, after BC, uh, you know, after Pitt and Syracuse leave, it all starts to go to hell. Um, you, you know, the story, obviously, I'll let you kind of take it from here. What, what happens next? Well, to jump in there, it's really, um, it's really interesting that like thinking about that BC blockade, because even before the Pittsburgh Syracuse decision, um, when all the talk with the TV deal was going on, you know they were looking they were looking to expand. And um, when TCU was coming in, and one of the schools they were looking to add was UCF. Ironically, our uh, our friends were now departing away from, and they ended up. Um, uh, Brett McMurphy at the time had a source telling him that um, USF. South Florida had initially blocked the effort to add UCF to the Big East. And they said, um, McMurphy has, um, has written that um, that source said that them turning down UCF or keeping UCF out ended up being, quote, a major contributing factor to the instability that would soon plague the Big East. So that, re- that regional tug of war there in you know, first in Florida and then in, uh, in New England, really like all around, just like messed with UConn severely. Um, and look, obviously then, you know, the TV deal falls apart, Syracuse and Pitt leave. And then from there, it's just one block after another, you know, 
you know, looking back to when UConn was joining the Big East in football, it wasn't what they signed up for. Well, this wasn't what TCU signed up for. So TCU bailed. So now they were leaving. And then a couple weeks later, West Virginia gets invited to the Big 12. They accept. And then, you know, it just keeps going after that. So then you see the Big East start to invite all these other schools. You have Houston, SMU, Memphis, UCF eventually. Um, and then they had invited the Air Force Academy, Navy, Boise State, BYU, San Diego State. So it was just like there was so much going on, and it just all just completely unraveled. And with the moves happening elsewhere with Missouri and Texas A&M to the Big 12, or um, for, to the SEC, I mean, um, you know, everything else going around on around the country in terms of conference realignment, it's just like everyone – ended up getting to a place that was more or less positive for them. And then there's UConn that's just like, hey, guys, hey, um, what do we do? Because we're not really, you know, we're this terrific basketball school. We're not that far away from having played in a BCS game. So not not only are they not that far away, they literally just did. Like yeah. I think the uh, like the 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 Syracuse uh, Pitt news came out I believe in late 2011. UConn yeah. had just played in the Fiesta Bowl the year before, like exactly. months before. And yeah. you know one of the things one of the really frustrating things about UConn the narrative around UConn football is like people forget that UConn football actually was like pretty good in the late 2000s. From like 2007 to like 2011, the program had a winning record every year. They were They're ranked. They, they were ranked a couple times. They they won two Big East titles, and obviously the Big East uh, football conference at that point was perceived as lesser after the uh, conference realignment happened, uh, the first wave at least. But like, this is still a conference that is consist almost entirely of what are now Power Five programs. You know, respected Power Five programs: Louisville, West Virginia. Pitt, Syracuse, UConn was way better than Syracuse at this point. Like they beat them every year. They, they, they were vastly superior program at that point in time. So like, you know, the fact that UConn filling the stadium too. Yeah. People wanted to come to those games and you have Robert Griffin, the third saying it's one of the loudest places he's ever played. You know, people were enjoying it and we were, they were a good football team. They were beating Notre Dame. They beat South Carolina in a bowl game. Uh, they were doing all these amazing things, you know, making the BCS game, making the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. And so it's just like the potential was always there and just no one seemed to care. And you know, quickly, I'm sorry to jump in again, but quickly going back, they're now recruiting as an independent. The last they have, I think their recruiting ranking for 2021 is currently in the high 60s. It hasn't been that high since that 2007 year that you mentioned. And that 2007 team, their careers at UConn culminated with a game in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. And I was going to get into that current state of the football program later on. But yeah, so, I mean, this was a time where UConn football was at a position where they could have thrived. And for whatever reason, both for in factors within UConn's control and obviously the fact that Randy Edsel left when he did probably didn't help. Actually, it, it certainly hurt a lot, if, if we're being honest. Yes. Um, UConn's leadership in general really, you know, they really failed on this one because they were right in a position where they should have been able to capitalize, and they just they just didn't. And, you know, it is what it is. And then, um, but, it, you know, 
as bad as things got, you know, we knew that there was there was still hope for a while. You know, so West Virginia leaves for the Big 12. Notre Dame joins the ACC for the non-football sports. Rutgers leaves for the Big 10. And more importantly, Maryland leaves the ACC for the Big 10. So here's the last lifeboat. UConn is, at that point, was considered a favorite. I felt great about it. I was like, this is it. You're going to get this last lifeboat out and they're going to be fine. But then, you know, they got outmaneuvered by Louisville. And Louisville presented itself as the superior football option and the other, you know, the Florida States. And I'm just speculating, but I assume the Florida States and Clemson's of the conference were probably like, yeah, we'd rather play like Louisville in football. And, you know, a note on Louisville, they've been a really successful program, but it's not like they've always been a really successful program. Like the Steve Cragthorpe years were a disaster. UConn was consistently better than them during that stretch. And, you know, when, you know, they're basically when UConn, sorry, when Louisville's good, they're great. But when they're not, they, they're they bad. And we've seen it, you know, they're, they're, football, you know, it goes in cycles, you know. And at the time, Louisville was on a high. And, you know, that's that got them into the ACC. And, you know, God bless them. I'm sure the, the ACC's appreciated the money. I'm sure they haven't appreciated the relentless scandals surrounding that athletic department the exactly. the wild west my god what an embarrassment that they've yeah. been over you know obviously but you know the acc got what they wanted out of them so they've gotten the money and they've gotten the you know the i guess we'll say the intermittent football prestige and obviously yukon football hasn't made themselves look any better they've been terrible obviously if yukon goes to the acc they're going to rec- recruit better and they probably turn out something like what syracuse and pitt are right now which is basically an okay program that's not going to realistically compete for anything but you know that's that's probably what UConn could have been maybe that's what they can be again under different circumstances but either way um Louisville gets the last spot and I I tell you man I was so crushed I I I like I couldn't sleep for that night honestly I feel like most people agree you know felt the same do you remember how what happened when you uh found that news out yeah it was just like it was devastating the same exact thing you know it was you know, we'd all been dealing with the years, like the all the uncertainty for so long, and then to have that hit was just such a massive slap in the face. And I think it made it worse that um, the year of the the year of the postseason ban, they went on and then won a, na- a men's basketball national title that they no longer have won. Um, but at the time, it was like, come on, this is all just. This is all just piling it on. And we didn't know at the time that UConn was going to win the title the year later. I think that there were serious doubts that that was going to happen. But it was just, it was like the last boulder being dropped on top of you and just crushing you. And it was like, where the heck do we go from here? Yeah, and it wasn't even the only last boulder because right around the same time, UConn basketball, uh, well, had a bit of a double whammy. Jim Calhoun retires, so... You know, the architect of the most successful program that you have at the school, I'm going to rephrase that. The architect of the the program that generated the momentum for the rest of the athletic department, obviously the women's basketball program is the most successful program at the school. Um, you know, Jim Calhoun is gone. And now, you know, what what happens next? You know, we, don't, we aren't really sure. I mean, you know, Kevin Ollie takes over as the coach and, you know, he was you know, very, everyone was really high on him. And, uh, for the first two years, he was great. I mean, let's, let's not get it twisted. His first two seasons, he was outstanding. You know, what he was able to do in 2013 and 14, you know, with that team, like they, it was very impressive and uh, people do need to remember that. But so Calhoun goes, and then you know, you have the postseason ban and UConn does not even get to compete in their last Big East tournament, 
which sucked. Like that's such a that was like such a big gut punch. Like that whole week, I was just watching and just like, man, like I can't believe UConn's not in this. Like this, that's so it's such BS. I I was really it felt cruel, honestly. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was just on top of everything else. You're gonna do that, and you know we always talk about the ban was seemingly unfair as well, like in the first place. So to just have that be the way that we're going to go out in this state, this era of the Big East was just so terrible. And, you know, it did, in a way, it did make the games of that season more special, um, knowing that there was going to be nothing else at the end. So every game felt like this do or die against this Big East opponent. Um, you know, I'll never forget being in the front row of the student section at the Syracuse game that year. And honestly, the entire vibe, it felt like a national championship game for us. It felt like that we could have gone, we could have gone one in 29 and thankfully we didn't. But if we had won that one game and we did, like it was so special. And, you know, the, the Providence game, the last day of the season, when they went into overtime and they won to get to 20 wins in that year, that too, it just felt like, it felt like that was our Big East title game. Like, we did it. We got to the end. We we were able to come through this season with some sort of joy and, like, this. The whole, the whole school came together because of everything that had happened and everything that was going on. And so there was some... It was nice in one way. And obviously there were the terrible aspects that we chose to ignore at the time for the most part. Yeah, so it wasn't all bad, but it certainly was like, there was a very serious undercurrent of uncertainty and despair for sure. Um, the final, you know, transition, of course, you know, from the Big East to the AC, uh, the American was, you know, the, the, the basketball schools all had enough. They all decided to split off and form their own basketball conference, uh, the, which became known as the new Big East Conference. They bought the name, you know, they, um, you know, and, Basically, they went out, they they go out to get Butler, Xavier and Creighton. And they, you know, that was certainly, you know, we, we had that we had you know, some UConn fans were haters for a while, but eventually it became clear that that this conference was going to work and it's become highly successful. And uh, meanwhile, UConn, Cincinnati and USF are joined by all these other kind of, you know, cast offs and well, not cast offs. They, the other, the new American conference schools are stoked. They're like, Hey, this is great. We're in a better place. And meanwhile, you know, the three that are left behind are just like, well, here we go. And uh, so begins the American athletic conference era. Um, year one, not that bad. UConn, you know, the men win a national championship, which was pretty sweet. Louisville's still around. So the conference is, you know, competitive. You have, uh, you know, between, um, Sean Kilpatrick, uh, Russ Smith from Louisville. Am I getting the, Yes. Okay, Russ Smith and Shabazz. That was, oh, that was a fun experience when uh, the the three of them, Shabazz, Kilpatrick, and Russ Smith, going for Player of the Year. And sorry, jumping in again. I'm just reminiscing about all these old things. Um, when I was down in Memphis for the Player of the Year, uh, or for the whole tournament, but the day of the Player of the Year award being released, I was walking around with my buddy Mike Peng, my partner in crime that year at the Daily Campus. And I remember we were talking about who was going to win. Like, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be Shabazz, but it, it felt like it was between him and Kilpatrick. And we're walking the streets of Memphis, and I'm like, well, one thing's for sure. Like, it's definitely not going to be Russ Smith. And I'm, like, right on a corner. And I turn the corner, and <laughs> I see this guy in Louisville gear. And I'm like, God, it's Russ Smith. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> and he definitely heard me say this. And I just, I wanted to be like, 
well, come on, man. You know I'm right. <laughs> and clearly he, he didn't end up winning it. He was uh, he was definitely behind uh, Shabazz and Kilpatrick. So I, I, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's first of all, that's amazing. And second of yeah. all, you know, good year. You know, that was you know, a competitive year. You know, the American yeah. Athletic Conference featured three of the best players in college basketball. You know, UConn wins national title. Louisville was a contender. You know, good year. Women's basketball, of course, you have, you know, you're right in the middle of the Brianna Stewart dynasty. So you got four straight titles there. And, you know, a lot of the really bad stuff, really, you know, UConn was at this point um, had the cushion of a whole bunch of exit fees coming from all of the schools that had all left. So, you know, UConn is sort of staying afloat. But we know, okay, this is going to last. But like if UConn doesn't get a Power 5 invite soon, we're going to, there's going to be trouble. Um, so obviously, you know, at the time, UConn was only getting about $2 million per year in TV money from the American. Uh, they signed a six year deal worth, uh, I don't have the figures, but not a whole lot of money. It was a, a huge step back from what they could have gotten with the Big East uh, if things had gone slightly differently. And, um, you know, obviously, football falls off a cliff. Uh, you know, Paul Pascaloni's era is a disappointment, Bob Diaco's is a disaster. And with teams like Tulane, East Carolina, and Tulsa all of a sudden coming to Rensselaer Field, I mean, you basically have one good game against Michigan, which, you know, they packed the house and that was awesome. But otherwise, the 2010s was tough. You know, the program becomes a laughing stock. Attendance falls off a cliff. Revenue falls off a cliff. That's not good. Uh, the conference has a really negative effect eventually on recruiting uh, with, um, you know, for basketball. Kevin Ollie. I don't know what happened to him. I mean, he, he went from being this inspirational and, you know, inspire, you know, this great figure, this champion who's getting like, you know, looks to coach the Lakers and I, something just happened to him. I don't know, but like he like became kind of grouchy and, you know, not, not himself. And obviously like the pro the product and the court suffered eventually. And, you know, the, the program falls into a losing rut and, you know, the, the talent just simply isn't at the caliber it needs to be. And now you have the problem where, UConn's not even competing with these schools that like the fans are in, like they resent even having to play these schools. And the fact that we're not even beating them is, you know, that was tough. And, you know, conference, conference realignment remained a source of hope and despair. I mean, you remember back those couple months where the big 12 was thinking about expanding. I mean, yeah. isn't that so weird? Could you imagine if UConn had joined the big 12, like Ugh. you would have gotten all the money, but like, the Big Twelve is basically money would have gone to travel, and it would have been like and, so, and a bunch of other stuff. It was just like it was so weird because we had been complaining about being in this geographically nonsensical conference that was focused on football, and we wanted to get back to some sense of normalcy. And then the Big Twelve rumors started popping up, and we're like we're like trying to like push through the line with like Cincinnati and Houston. We're like us first, us first. We deserve this, and it's like what. <laughs> Everybody has a price, and for you, for UConn fans, the price of like thirty million in TV revenue would have offset all of the other weirdness of it. Um, yeah. Needless to say, that didn't work out, and you know, probably for the best. But whatever, it would have been. I would have. That certainly would have been a different path that UConn could have taken. Um, there would have been a lot of logistical things that wanted to play too, because the Big Twelve doesn't sponsor every sport that uh, UConn was. In is involved in like men's soccer would have ended up in a situation where they would have had to find a new home. Um, so there were, uh, there was a lot that goes into it. I think even women's soccer isn't sponsored by the big 12. I could be wrong, but they, I don't, uh, I don't know the specifics, but I would imagine yeah. under those circumstances, UConn probably would have just joined the big East as an associate member. So 
Probably, yeah. Either way. Um, needless to say, by the time we get to, we'll say, kind of the 2018-19 time frame, you know, the exit fees, um, you know, the, the money that they got from the new Big East uh, for basically buying the, the brand, that all dries up. And we get the, the new TV deal. Uh, the American Athletic Conference announces its $1 billion 12-year deal that um, quickly we realize isn't quite as great as it seems. You know, $7 million a year. So a nice in, in, that's a nice increase from what it had been before. But you also have, um, you know, a lot of the games are going to be behind a paywall. And UConn fans, <laughs> the fan base is uh, skews older. Um, not necessarily the most technologically advanced uh, group. And you have a problem now where, you know, all these UConn women's basketball games are probably going to be on ESPN plus, And so are many, many other games. And, you know, the, the athletic department came right out and said, like, we're not, we don't like this. This isn't, this isn't cool. You know, this, we're not happy with this, which was highly unusual. And that probably should have been the big sign that like something was, something was coming soon. And, uh, you know, obviously there's some production costs involved. Like, so basically the, the new deal didn't really look as great as it seemed. So at this point, it, it, it was clearly abundantly clear to the Yukon administrators that something had to change. So over the next few months, the negotiations happened behind the scenes. And eventually now you have the, the move, the announcement, Yukon's going back to the Big East. And obviously, you know, there's going to be some exit fees. There's going to be some growing pains. It won't save Yukon money uh, up front. Certainly not. And certainly not now with the pandemic really throwing a wrench into everything. But long term, UConn's going to save probably $2 million a year on travel. Um, the Big East current TV deal is about $4 million per year. But uh, they'll that deal, I believe, is up in 2025. I, I want to say it's somewhere in that range. It's within the next five or six years. And so that, that number is definitely going to go up because... You know, th that conference has kind of proven it's worth to Fox. It's been a great, great deal for Fox Sports for sure. Um, you know, football. Plus the value of adding a team in the number one TV market. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, you know, you got that. Uh, your games are on linear TV. Um, of course, you know, UConn football, how is independence going to work? So David Benedict did a really good job of compiling a schedule on very short notice. So, you know, some of the, uh, at, you know, so this past week, we've heard a couple of uh, the national pundits kind of, you know, give you kind of a little bit of a hard time for its 2020 schedule. But like, what do you expect? Like this stuff's done years in advance. The fact that they got a schedule as good as they did was pretty remarkable. So, and besides like when there's not even going to be college football in 2020. So at the end of the day, who really cares? <laughs> it's, it's wild. Just in, you know, thinking I, it really irked me in that um, one of those articles you're talking about, the, the basketball focus one from the athletic, um, it drove me nuts with the clear sarcasm of the scintillating 2020 schedule for the football team. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, at, like, there was no rational thought put into either of those pieces that have become so famous on UConn Twitter in the last, in the last week. Like, like you said, Dave Benedict did such an unbelievable job of putting that schedule together. He... In June last year, it's announced that UConn is going to the Big East, which gives him, you know, it doesn't even give him 15 or so months to put together a schedule because this stuff needs to be done two years before that. He was already so far behind because, like you said, these schedules are put together in advance. So he's he gets on the phone. He's working out all of these deals. Some of them then include, you know, working with two different schools, so like, I think it was what North Carolina and Old Dominion, 
Old Dominion were going to play each other. And UConn was like, all right, why don't we go play North Carolina? Old Dominion, you come here. You'll still get the fee. You know, we'll, like, I think it was something like, they're not going to pay, or they're not going to take the fee from North Carolina. It's going to go straight to Old Dominion to play UConn. And he just, like, he took this unbelievably complex puzzle and put it together. And along the way, he scheduled future games against Syracuse and Army and I think Buffalo is in there. And then you add Michigan and Ann Arbor again. Tennessee, Rocky Top. You're playing against you already have you're playing against Ole Miss. You keep the Ole Miss game. You're playing against Clemson. There and there's other games and there are gonna be more that come along the way. There's like there's gonna be more buy games for UConn too. So all of this is just coming together so well. They're adding all these power five games and it's just you leave a conference and you end up setting yourself up to play better games, both in terms of, you know, less travel. You, you're playing regional teams that your Northeast football fans are interested in. You're giving them the big games. I mean, I don't see a negative to it right now. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier that some football fans were upset, and I've seen that. I have really good friends who are diehard UConn football fans. And I, you know, for as much as I've been extremely critical of the team over the years. And, you know, when I was covering the team, especially I'm a fan of the football team. I always have been, I was a season ticket holder the first year at Rensselaer. I went to games at Memorial stadium. I've seen them kind of come around a little bit, you know, at first they were upset, but then they've seen the games that are being scheduled. They see the recruiting impact and they're starting to sense that there's a real opportunity to build something as an independent, throw in the TV deal, throw in a possible bowl affiliation in a couple of years, there are a lot of things to be to feel positive about when it comes to football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think nobody realistically expects UConn football to ever compete for a national championship. But the thing that was great about UConn football when they were good at the end of the last decade is that, you know, you felt like they were building towards something. And, you know, they won more than they lost, and they beat good teams in, like, big spots. And when that happened, like, it felt great. Like, yeah. the, the, the win over Notre Dame was, like, one of the – the most awesome sporting, you know, victories I, I've ever, you know, been a part of, you know, been a fan of basically. I mean, that was, that was unbelievable. And so, you know, for football, I think just the, the, the fact that a lot of these uh, recent uh, pieces have focused, you know, with the budget cuts have focused on, you know, how UConn football has been mismanaged and let, let's, you know, let's be real. It hasn't exactly been managed well over the last decade. But the situation they're in now, it's certainly more complicated than that. And, you know, the, the focus on football as like, you know, kind of being snarky about the schedule, you know, elsewhere in the country, the expectation is that football drives the bus. And that's not the case here. You know, UConn is a basketball school and it's very, as we've lit, as is literally about to happen, it's made very clear that that is going to be the direction they take going forward. But the fact that it's going to remain a football school is very important um, you know, so UConn in their, uh, in the, the board of trustees in their Q and a, they made us, they specifically addressed why doesn't UConn just cut football or why don't they drop to FCS? And, you know, that's been something that national people have been saying for years. It's like UConn football is like the worst program and it gets guys, no, it has no hope. And the, I'll, I'll read, I'll read the, um, the answer. Why? So why won't UConn do either of those things? The savings from such a move would be outweighed by a significant decline in revenue opportunities. The newly signed agreement with CBS Sports Network would be nullified with a reclassification to FCS. Similarly, our multimedia marketing rights with Learfield IMG College 
and our all-sport equipment deal with Nike would suffer greatly or not exist if we dropped to the FCS level. Currently, revenue from these two agreements is nearly $3.7 million annually. Additionally, UConn would forfeit the ability to maximize revenue generation by securing premium guarantee games and would no longer have the ability to secure quality opponents such as Purdue, Syracuse, North Carolina, Maryland, and Boston College in a home-and-home series. UConn football has a proud history and has proven to be a rallying point for alumni and fans in support of the state's flagship institution. Dropping the program to the FCS level may diminish overall interest from our constituents, inhibit its potential to be a rallying force, and hinder its ability to drive revenue. I just want to address on that last point. That is, like, UConn football has been bad for so long that people forget that when UConn was good, it was, like, a big, big deal. I can speak from personal experience. I would not have attended UConn if UConn football was not in the FBS and if UConn football, like, was, you know, just like UNH or Rhode Island or, you know, one of, or UMaine. Um, when I when I was looking for a school, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be straight up. I like the idea of going to a big football school. I, you know, that's what attracted, that's like what I wanted, like, you know, BC, UConn, Penn State, you know, those were like the types of schools I wanted to be. And if UConn was just like in the FCS, I'm not so sure I would have given it that much thought. And, you know, that's something that people should, you know, remember, like, you know, if, if they can get UConn football off the mat, you know, it's going to matter to people. And, you know, it, to people of my generation of UConn, you know, kind of the 2000 eight to 2012 range it was a it was something that we you know we we loved going to football games we loved to tailgate we loved to do all that kind of stuff so you know for them to just drop it or you know drop to fcs you know uconn would lose something and you know obviously the product in the field lately has been really bad but that doesn't mean that it can't be better and if you were to just get rid of football you know you really kneecap the overall potential of the program as a whole you know then I guess if you're satisfied with just just being like maybe St. John's or just being like, say, you know, Georgetown or Villanova, you know, those are great athletic departments with great programs. They've had a ton of success. But, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, being able to offer FBS football. And who knows, maybe, you know, they've set themselves up now in a way that who knows, maybe they could win more than two or three games a year. You know, it doesn't always have to be this way. Like, you know, Temple and Rutgers used to suck and then they got good. You know, it, things can change. Well, you know, they just have to give themselves a chance. Yeah, and those three big e-schools that you just mentioned, they also are private institutions. And I think there's a big difference in terms of when, you, when you're talking about the financials of a private institution compared to a public one. And look, you're, you're completely on here about football and, you know, what it was like. You know, I was a freshman that 2010 year. And the seeing Rentschler full and the team leaving the field to chance of BCS, BCS was one of the most unbelievable things I could have ever imagined. Like when I was six years old, seven years old, and like I said, I was going to games at Memorial Stadium, never in my lifetime would I have dreamed that. I mean, I remember, like, honestly, if you don't, if you never went to a game at, at Memorial Stadium, which for you newer UConn fans is, it was where the basketball practice center is now. Um, right behind Gamble, it was such an, a unique experience. Like we had to go into Gamble to use the bathrooms at halftime. And then like we would come out and, you know, the women's basketball team would be sitting in our seats. That happened to me one time. And us and the women's basketball team were only like, we're the only people of, or like only a part of a hundred people at that game. Maybe, maybe slightly more, but it was a very 
small crowd, it was just like you were just kind of there, and it didn't really matter what happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple years later, like I said, I was a season ticket holder in 2003, going to a packed house at Rentschler to watch this team that wasn't even in the Big East yet. They were still in the transition phase. They were in independence, and you saw what Dan Orlovsky and that team were doing for the state and just getting people so excited about football. And it was a completely new game. And yes, we've talked about, you know, the effect of conference realignment, especially back then. But I used to, for some reason, I used to be in that FCS or drop football camp. And it was a very short-sighted, very ill-informed view that I used to have. And I regret it now. Um, it's just, it would be so detrimental to the school, to the athletic department. And, you know, we're trying to talk about ways to increase revenue and, you know, ways to save money. That's not the way to save money. Like, you just listed all those reasons from the Board of Trustees. that It would be massively detrimental to the future of, the, of UConn athletics in general and to the university, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, that leaves us here. So um, we're recording this on, you know, Thursday, June 25th. You'll hear this on the 30th probably. And yeah, I mean, this is it. Like UConn, uh, whatever UConn's going to be, the journey's going to start here. And obviously a lot of missteps were taken along the way. A lot of bad things happened to UConn along the way that aren't totally the school's fault. You know, those things can both be true. And unfortunately, because of it, we lost four programs, four programs that didn't deserve to be cut. But here we are now, you know, UConn, as of this coming week, will be back in the Big East. And the coronavirus pandemic uh, will obviously determine a lot of what happens in the next couple months. But long term, we know, you know, for the first time, we have clarity on what UConn athletic future will be. You know, the, the basketball programs are both on good footing. They have good coaches. You know, Dan Hurley is obviously the right guy for basketball, men's basketball. Gino has put together a, a hell of a recruiting class, and uh, that, that group is hopefully going to take the Big East by storm and hopefully add a couple new national championships to, to the uh, the banners. Football, look, I'm will, look, Randy Edsel did it once. I'm willing to give him a chance to do it again. You know, with the recruiting class they're putting together, we'll see. You know, the expectation for football has to, you know, that we have to be patient. We have to give them a chance. But just from what I've seen so far, the opportunity is now there to build the football program into something that UConn can get behind again. And, you know, they just could, that was never going to happen as long as Tulane and Tulsa were like the primo draws on the, you know, on the home schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, what are your thoughts going forward now? We have, you know, basketball, football, obviously new facilities for baseball and for soccer. Um, what does the next 10 years look like for UConn athletics? I think a net positive. Um, I really, I really do. And I, you know, I say that as a, as a hopeful fan, but I also say that after experiencing these last few years in the American and seeing where UConn athletics have gone and we know what they can be. So, you know, like we've talked about, it's going to be, it's going to be less money up front uh, with the exit fees and all that stuff, but we're going to see the revenue start to increase both through a, you know, the TV deal, the NCAA tournament win share, um, a new TV deal coming forward, and 
just and through attendance too, the fan draw is going to be there. You're going to see Gambling XL start to fill again for every gaming conference. You're going to see, you know, you're going to see fans back on campus for for everything. You're going to see football fans show up again. I really think that football is going to get more fans now in independence and with these opportunities for better games and with better recruits and you know who knows what happens in 10 years who knows how many national championships the basketball programs have added how many big east titles they've added but you know i think it's definitely safe to say it's going to be in a better spot than than it was a year ago a year ago before the big east announcement um i'm excited i i couldn't agree more i mean there was a point maybe two years ago where I like literally wasn't sure if, you know, I was like, man, like, is, is UConn done? Like, like, did, did I really? So I, I always used to joke like, man, like I went to the, you know, UConn in the golden era, like, you know, <laughs> me and the McDonough's, we covered a Fiesta Bowl. We covered Kemba in the national championship run. You know, we had, you know, the men's soccer team was great. The baseball team, we had George Springer and company and a couple of their best seasons ever. I mean, it was truly a, it's an amazing time to be a UConn. And I remember uh, it was, I think, in 2018. I could be wrong about the exact time frame, but I went to two UConn games in close succession that I was really excited about. UConn football was playing BC at Fenway Park. And like a week later, the basketball team was playing Syracuse at Madison Square Garden. I got tickets to both games, and they, they were just two of the most depressing experiences I've ever had as a sports fan. The football yeah, team just. That Syracuse game. The football team got absolutely annihilated. You know, Fenway Park was. You know, the game drew pretty well, but it was kind of cold. You know, a lot of, you know, UConn, there was a bunch of UConn fans there, but it was such a bad game. I just, I like left it like, I did something I never do. I like left it like the midway through the third quarter so that me and my friends could go drinking because it was just, it was just so bad. I couldn't, it was, it was really, that was probably the moment that was really out on UConn football, like, like officially, like I probably haven't seen, I've barely watched the game since. And then, Yeah. yeah, like two weeks later, you know, UConn goes to Madison Square Garden. They lay an egg against Syracuse. Syracuse was not good. They didn't play a good game. UConn could have easily beaten them, but they were so like lackluster and so ineffective and so listless that you know they just you know it was like watching like a bunch of zombies slap each other. Eventually, Syracuse won. And so I'm I'm going back to um you know the train with uh, I was I was at the game with my buddy Jesse, my old roommate. He was on the uh, second episode where he talked about the '99 title. He and and I were just like, man, like, that's like, is it ever going to, is this it? Like, did we see the best of UConn sports? And it was so, it was so hard, but like, I was thinking, man, like, you know, eventually like I'm looking to, you know, have kids and give them the whole UConn experience. And I'm like, geez, like, am I just going to be like that, uh, Phi Slamma Jamma Houston fan? Who's like, yeah, back in my day, I got to see, you know, Kemba Walker and, you know, Jeremy Lamb and Shabazz Napier do all this cool stuff. But now the team hasn't made a tournament in like 20 years. And now I stand here today and I say, man, like I cannot wait to see what happens next. You know, you, I don't know what the future holds. You know, I can't tell you UConn's going to win a national championship in the next three, five, 10 years, but I can say that like, they're going to, they're going to be worth watching. And, you know, I, I don't have any kids yet, but I expect they'll, they'll probably happen in the next couple of years. And, you know, I, I cannot wait to, you know, take the, take them to, uh, you know, to Gamble, take them to campus, take them to hopefully whatever facility replaces the XL Center. Because if I'm taking my kids to the XL Center in the year 2030, 
Oh man, <laughs> that, yeah. that's a that's a whole other <laughs> issue there. But I'm looking forward. I I actually feel good about the future and that sense of doom and gloom that has hung over the athletic department for ten years. It finally feels like no, like we're 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 in a good place. It's it's gonna be okay. Yeah. I agree. And it's funny you mentioned a Boston College football game because I think the one that I went to was the year before that, or it was in that time frame, um, where they got annihilated at um, at BC Stadium. It was the day they were honor they were honoring Matt Ryan that day, I remember that. Um, and we so like there were tons of UConn fans there. My friends and I we went to uh, we took the tee up from uh, Oh, I forget this Riverside. We took the tee up from Riverside and uh, went to a bar right around the corner from the stadium. It was packed with UConn fans. We all got there. We're excited. We expected to lose the game because, you know, it was UConn football. And, but they just, I think they were down 40 at some point. It was like early in the fourth quarter and we're all like, this sucks. Like, let's just, like, no one wanted to stay. And so you leave and you get to the nearest tee stop. And it's just the entire platform. There's got to be a couple hundred UConn fans on there before the game is even over. And it's really quiet. And I just remember someone standing there and going, so, we really suck, huh? (laughs) And it was just like, yep. And then that conversation came up like, is this what we are? Like, is this what we are forever now? And now it's just like, even I think it's so funny that you know, we keep talking about football as we're celebrating this move to the Big East because obviously it's not a football move. There's no Big East football anymore. But even among, like, all this excitement about basketball and about everything else, like, you know, I'm personally obviously really excited about soccer for the men and the women. But for, like, even to have, like, all this excitement all of a sudden about football and <laughs> It's just, it seems like such a weird change from a couple years ago when, like like you said, we were all in this doom and gloom scenario. Like, I was really worried about the future, too. Now I'm excited. I'm, like, I'm ready for all these trips, and I'm including football in that. And, you know, people who have followed me for the last 10 years know that I was very, very critical of the UConn football program. And even like I'm now saying let's go like I want to go to Clemson I want to go to Ann Arbor I want to do all this stuff and I want to go to games at Rensselaer and in the the games in the region and it's just it's just so funny to like look back and think about where I was on UConn athletics a couple of years ago to where I am now and I'm just like I keep screaming like let's effing go and let's just like let's get this thing started I know seriously the timing of the pandemic is pretty brutal in that respect at least but the nice thing about this is this is a long-term forever move. So it's not like this is like, you know, we scheduled a game, you know, at Penn State or something and we're not going to get to play them now. No, this is like the Big East will be there when this is all over. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I sincerely hope that I'll get to, you know, watch, uh, you know, UConn play Butler and like, you know, to honor the 2011 championship team this winter to kick off the Big East era. You know, if that doesn't work out, so be it. You know, UConn, UConn's where it belongs, and, you know, we know we, we finally know what the future holds. Tim, uh, thanks so much for coming on. We've, we've, we've gone pretty long. So anything else you want to add, I guess, before I let you go? No, it's just, thank, first of all, thank you so much for having me back again. I believe this is the, the fourth time now, and, I'm, you know, I'm excited to come back on whenever you want to have me. Talk basketball, soccer, 
football, any of these, uh, any of these broader uh, subject podcasts. If you want them in the future, I'm all for it. And just like everyone else, I'm ready to celebrate. So when uh, if you're listening the day before, um, I'm excited to jump on Twitter with you and talk about all the good times ahead and talk crap about all the bad times behind us. And let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Same here, man. Uh, well, glad to have you back. Uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time. In fact, I'll pro- it probably won't be very long. You know, you never know how these things go. So, everyone, thanks again for listening. Uh, really excited for you know the future of UConn athletics. Uh, you know, really hopeful the good things to come, and hopeful that last week's uh, you know cuts to sports were hopefully the last bad news we'll hear for a while. That's you know going to be a long-lasting thing. Um, for those of you who are, who are new, thanks for listening as well. Uh, you guys all, all want to hit me up. You can do so on Twitter at Max Cerullo. That's M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. My DMs are open. You can also email me at yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, new episodes every Tuesday. Uh, obviously, the usual format. We'll you know kind of look back at some old games and hoping to been trying to line up some good guests. Um, you know, one, obviously we uh, love having Tim and the McDonough's and the usual regulars on, but you know, obviously trying to get you guys some uh, high level uh, you know people who are in the weeds who who live these things and get their takes. So hoping to line a few of those up for you soon. Um, and yeah, uh, five star reviews are great. Uh, we love them. That's how we uh, game the algorithm and get get this higher up on the Yukon. Uh, if you search Yukon and Apple Podcasts, we're coming up pretty high now. So hoping to get this thing going a little higher than that. And um, Tim, uh, where where can people find you and uh, all that good stuff? I'm on Twitter at tim underscore fontanel. Uh, that's really the main place to find me, and uh, you can find my work on. Uh, I'm doing all soccer stuff now at ESPN.com so any of the video content there beautiful well everybody should go follow Tim as well and uh, follow all the other great UConn uh, content creators out there as well this UConn Twitter is a vibrant place and it's only going to get better now that we're finally done venting about how much our lot in life sucks and how great things are of course well you know we're, we're you know we've had a lot of time to get learn some bad habits so forgive us if we're still a little ornery for a while but hopefully once the games start being played the virus is behind us and UConn starts dunking all over you know Xavier we can all get to get our, our barbs in for you know for good measure uh, shout out to Xavier Twitter you guys are the best uh, thanks guys we'll all catch you later you have a good one